We started in January a series called How to Solve Problems, and I guess this is the sixth meeting that we have together. It's, it could be, I guess, subtitled How to Meet Life's, or How to Meet Life Successfully. This is what we're all facing together. We have a life to live. Some people meet life successfully and some don't. But in God's plan, very, very simple plan, it's not so difficult. God has a simple formula by which we can meet life successfully. Now, we saw in our study together that God has decided that He would be the teacher for every one of us individually. Now, there's nothing, I think, that blows my mind more. Can you imagine? God will come to me and say, I want to teach you personally. I was just thinking about that this morning, and really, it's awesome. It's an awesome privilege that God will so condescend that He would like to come down, and He says in Psalms 32, verse 8, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you, not losing sight of you. God never loses sight of you. Amazing? In Psalm 16, He says, I will show you the path of life. And he aims to do it. But how he does it, of course, is as we've been studying week by, not week by week, but as many times as we've been together, we've been studying that he does that through trials. He does that through problems. He's a teacher, you understand. And so he sends us assignments. Now we saw in the ABC to problem solving that the A of problem solving is just very simply this, accept the assignment. Because Ministry of Healing 255 says, even the things which appear to be against us will work for our good. Will they? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because God has assigned Himself the duty of teaching you individually. And everything He sends to you, He sends for the purpose of making it work together for your good. He is the orderer of all our experiences. And he orders that which his providence sees best. I harp on this and I harp on this and I harp on this. But there's something in my brain that says if we really believe this, how much faith we would have and how our responses to God would always be positive. And we would know that he's trustworthy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Has he ever let you down? No. Therefore, because He is the teacher, because He plans to show you the path of life, because He is planning for you a perfect ending, a successful end to your life. Therefore, He sends in your life only that which will bring you there. Wonderful plan. Now, of course, the plan doesn't work. If when He sends us an assignment, we reject the assignment, we avoid the assignment, we evade the assignment, it doesn't work. You know, we can't do that. Has the, has the Lord ever sent people assignments? You can read the Bible. You can go to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And He said, I want you to go and proclaim or claim the land. I want you to go take the land. I'm giving it to you. And what did they say? Oh, no. No, the giants are too big. <laughs> the walls are too high. The chariots are made of iron and there's knives in the wheels. And I don't know what else. And so they said, no, we're not going there. So God turns around and He says, okay, I have plan B. Go back to the wilderness for 40 years. And they said, oh no, we want to go into the city. <laughs> they just would not accept the assignment. That's the A of problem solving. Whatever comes your way is the best thing that can come your way. And when you see it as an assignment and not a problem, when you see it as an opportunity and not a problem, 
you will see how God works out for you a successful end. Well, then we went on to believe. This is the B of problem solving, of course. We went on to believe two things. Believe, first of all, John 15, verse 5. Without me, Jesus says, you can do what? Well, we can't. And friends, if we're going to succeed, we've got to come to that place in our lives where no matter what the problem is that comes our way, we do not have the answer. But God does. And it is faith to believe that we don't have the answer. But is it faith to believe that we can't meet this problem successfully? No. No, it's not faith at all. So when somebody comes to you and says, I need you to preach this weekend, don't say, oh, I couldn't do that. Friends, if it's an assignment from God, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So we accept the assignment. We take our place before God. We understand our nothingness. We can't do it, but we understand that with Christ we can do all. All things. Well, we're at the C of problem solving this morning. And like B, C comes in two parts. And the first part, of course, very, very simple. I'm not offering you something you didn't know before. Just trying to put it all together for us. The C of problem solving is claim the wisdom that God has promised. Now, has God promised us any wisdom? Yeah, that's where we are in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you... What does any mean? It means anyone. It means everyone. God is offering a promise that is to reach out to every single soul sitting in here. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care if you even feel rebellious today. This promise is for you. If any of you lack wisdom. Now, how many is that? (laughs) If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And by the way, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all. Liberally. NIV, generously, it says. And not looking for fault. That's the NIV. It says, upbraideth not in the King James. And it shall be given you. And I've studied this verse and I've looked at it many times. And every time it tells me this one thing. If there is one individual in the world that will get on in his knees. I don't care who the individual is. I don't care how bad or how good. I don't care if he has given his heart to the Lord, has not given his heart to the Lord. If at any one moment in any one life, an individual wants to do God's will, God's way, God's promise is, I will give you the wisdom if you ask. You think he stands behind that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so do you pray? Do you ask for wisdom? I was telling the folks on Wednesday I had to go to, a, I was the board chairman of a, of a board, of course, in Dominican Republic last week. I was there last weekend, but I'm not the board chairman. Actually, Oscar Newball from Puerto Rico is the board, Costa Rico, Costa Rica is the board chairman. And he couldn't make it, so he called and asked if I wouldn't go in his stead. And I was able to get OCI to pay my way over there, and I was to act as board chairman. But I know this place, because I go there once or twice a year, and I knew the headaches they were facing and the problems they were facing, and I did not feel for a moment like I had any wisdom to deal with this thing. You know, this was going to be a mess. There was trouble in the camp, there was fighting in the camp, and we needed somebody that was hard, and that's not me. (laughs) So on my way there, the Lord impressed me and I I shared that with the folks. I have a watch with a little timer on it. When I pull twice, it beeps three times. And then it, it sounds on the hour every hour. 
And on the hour, every hour, for three and a, for two and a half days, every hour that is sounded, I will ask the Lord for wisdom to deal with this situation in the Dominican Republic. But you know what? I prayed more than in every hour because my mind was so clued into my watch. I was always wondering when it was going to ring so I could pray. Well, then every time I thought of it, I would pray. I ended up praying two and three times every hour so that God would give me wisdom to know what to do when I got to the other end. And I'm here to say, friends, that the Lord blessed. The Lord blessed. It was, it was wonderful. Now, I can't point to any marvelous thing that happened or any great thing that the Lord used me to do. But I'll tell you what. The whole thing ended up so nicely. There were people there who never come to the board, who are board members, who are what you would call troublemakers. They all showed up. The whole gang showed up. And I expected, oh, this is going to be a free-for-all. <laughs> we're going to have problems here. But do you know what? Every single individual is, is as like they, they, they thought logically, they thought spiritually, they had the best interest for the institution there, and the whole board just moved on. And those who were causing trouble on the board are also board members, and they had just surrendered themselves to do what God would, would have them to do. The whole board went smoothly, and in the end, it turned out to be 100% better than I ever thought. And I didn't do anything special, but I believe God did. In answer to prayer. Now, don't you suppose we ought to pray more? Yeah. I look at our lifestyle center and in July we're expecting only, well, so far we have signed up only four people. That's not enough. We need to have more people than that signed up to come in July. And so I've begun to, to think. Now, shouldn't we be praying about it? I mean, don't you suppose it's possible that the Lord is saying, hey, you think you can handle this yourself? Well, see if you can. But if you need my help, here I am. And so for this month, I mean, for the last few days anyways, I've been setting my watch. <laughs> and I have two prayer requests on my watch. You heard about one of them last night. And the other one is about that lifestyle center. We need to have more people. Now, to me, that's an experiment, you see. God is saying, if you lack wisdom, ask of me and I will give it to you. We lack wisdom. Whether we know it or not, we lack wisdom, but we may ask God, and if we will keep it before Him, we will see what He will do. All right. We know that, don't we? So here we do. Here we go. We have a life to live. Life is full of problems, full of trouble, and now you have a problem. Well, God has assigned it to you. This is God's work. He's the teacher. He plans to give you a successful end, and He knows what to do. So He sends you a problem. Ah, don't melt under the problem. Accept the assignment. And then be, take your place before God. Affirm your nothingness. Affirm that fact that He can do all things. But you know what? You'll still have a problem. It doesn't matter if you accept the assignment. It doesn't matter what you believe that you can't or you can. God can or God can't. The, the problem will not go away that easily. You've got to come to God to know what to do. I'm going to have you turn with me now to Second Chronicles. Chapter 20. I suppose some of you know the story that's in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat had a huge problem there. In verse 1, Second Chronicles chapter 20, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And in verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord or to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. 
In verse 12, uh, O our God, that's his prayer now, will thou now judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Did Jehoshaphat have a problem here? Yeah, yeah. Did he have the resources to meet the problem? What do you think? You know, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, but I found this quotation in the Spirit of Prophecy. He had all the resources he needed. As a matter of fact, he was a very powerful king. And he had fortified his cities and he had made all kinds of bulwarks. This guy could have stood up and said, let him come. We can handle this. He had prepared to handle this. He was ready to handle this. But we want to see in the man that he is a man of God. And in spite of the fact that he had prepared himself to, so that he could handle any kind of emergency of the kind. And this is what God would have us do, by the way. We ought to be ready. We ought to do all that we can humanly possibly do. But in the end, when the problem, when the emergency come, we're not to depend on the preparations that we have made. And of course, this is our danger, that we depend on the things we've done. In Prophets and Kings, page 198, paragraph 4, it says, Jehoshaphat was a man of courage and valor. For years he'd been strengthening his armies and fortifying his cities. He was well prepared to meet almost any foe. Isn't that amazing? And yet, the Bible says he was afraid. But do you know that he was not afraid of the enemy? He was afraid of failing God. That's what he was afraid of. He was afraid of leaning on his own strength. He was afraid of putting himself in the place where God belongs. And friends, we do that all the time, don't we? And we ought to be afraid. And he ought to be afraid. But because he was afraid, he did not lean on his own understanding. He, in all his ways, acknowledged God. And when he acknowledged God, of course, God came through for him. What did he do? Well, let's read the second half of the quotation. It says here, Yet in this crisis, he put not his trust in the arm of flesh. And he had the arm. Not by disciplined armies or fenced cities, but by a living faith in the God of Israel could he hope to gain the victory. Yes. And what did he do? He said, our eyes are upon you. And let me tell you something, friends. If you're trying to solve a problem, this is the only way to really solve the problem. This is the answer to every problem in life. God is. God is. Can God handle that situation for Jehoshaphat? Yeah. Did he do it? Yeah. Do you have a situation? Is there anything in your life right now that you need God's help with? Do you think God can handle it? Oh, I hope you think so. In Desire of Ages 3.30, paragraph 1, it says, In every difficulty. In how many? Every difficulty. In every difficulty, He has His way prepared to bring relief. No matter what the problem, you see, He has assigned the problem. <laughs> He knows what He's giving you. He doesn't give you a problem to it for which there is no answer. This is guaranteed. This is what it's saying here. It's an amazing thing. You know, I, I used to live in Africa. We were there 10 years. I was the president of Riverside Farm in Africa for five years. And it, was, it fell to me every month or every couple of months. I had to take a trip to Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, this is nearly 2,000 kilometers away. 
And I never went to Johannesburg by myself. Well, I don't know if you've never lived in Africa. Maybe you won't understand, but you can't go anywhere by yourself uh, unless it's a very short distance. You take a car between Lusaka in Zambia through Zimbabwe into South Africa near Johannesburg. And if your car breaks down, what are you going to do? Do you think you can leave your car and hitchhike to go get some parts? By the time you come back, there is no car. And if there, only, if there is a car, it's only the frame that's left. The tires are gone. Everything's gone. And so you can't, you can't travel alone in a situation like that. But there fell to me one time where I had to go to Johannesburg to get parts for our tractors and whatever uh, there. And I couldn't find anyone to go with me. Nobody. And I searched high and low. I needed someone to go with me. But it became evident that there would be no one. And I had to go by myself. And do you know, I went on the strength of this promise. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you promised. In every difficulty, you have your way prepared to bring relief. I've done all I can to bring out a, 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 a positive outcome. I cannot find anyone else. I've got to go. I'm going to go by myself. But you can't put me in any situation where... There's no solution. You've promised. You've promised. And God can do that for us anytime. By the way, I went there and I did come back. And everything was all right. But let me tell you what. I'd been to Johannesburg more than once where we had breakdowns and all kinds of problems. In every difficulty, He has His way prepared to bring relief. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. Those who accept the one principle of making the service and honor of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path before their feet. Friends, Jehoshaphat had the human resources to meet the enemy, but he did not stand on the human resources that he had. He turned to God. His eyes were upon God. And in the end, what happened? The perplexities all vanished. Did they? Yes, they did. Do you think they would for you? Now, when we claim, of course, God's wisdom, we have to cooperate with God. There's four things that God has given us by which we may cooperate with God. Four channels that He uses. And you all know them. First of all, it's the Word of God, the Spirit of Prophecy. Right? If you have a problem, if there's anything written in the Bible to help you to meet that problem, we should go and search it out. The Lord would have us inquire of Him. Don't face your problem by yourself and say, now what am I going to do? Uh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that, right? Well, do you suppose the Bible has anything to say on the issue? Sometimes it does. Most of the time it does. God has sent us already wisdom written down. But with the wisdom that is in the Bible, there's also His providential working. And we ought to be studying His providential working. He tells us a lot by the things which allow, He allows to come in our lives. With that, we are to listen for the impressions of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, we can go and find godly counselors. And we can counsel with people who love the Lord and they will also give us some direction. Now friends, don't go counseling with just anyone. And don't go looking for a counselor that will give you the thing you want to hear. That's not what you want. You want to have God's will in your life. And there are four things that we can do. You know, it's much like a farmer. Do you know how a farmer runs a, a, a fence? How does he come to the position where he knows where to plant his posts? Do you know? Well, you've got to have two of them planted first. <laughs> and then you get behind the two posts 
And then you can tell the person over there who's going to plant the next post, go over this way a little bit, and you're lining up the two posts with that one. And friends, it's the same thing. When the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy line up with the, the impressions that the Holy Spirit is trying to give you, when they line up with the providences that the Lord is allowing to come in your life, you may know that you are being guided by the Spirit of God. When three out of four things that He's given us to guide us line up, then pretty sure you know what God is trying to tell you. And we ought to have as much common sense as a farmer does. I believe that. Now, I said that there were two things that we can do in the sea of problem solving. This, the last one is this. You need to come to a conclusion. Of course, somebody might say, well, that's just a problem. You know, I've prayed, I've read the Bible, I've watched and listened, I've watched for providence, I've listened to hear His voice, I've counseled with other people, and I still don't know what to do. You know, I'd like to tell you something right here and on this point. You can stay stuck in that position a day, a week, a month, years even, if you want to. This is just what makes some people weak and inefficient, and this is where other people are able to take the lead. Watch. Volume 3, 497, paragraph 2 and 3. Ellen White is addressing somebody, Brother A. She says, you're too slow. Uh, has everyone ever accused you of being too slow? <laughs> well, Clint uh, is honest this morning. You're too slow. You should cultivate opposite qualities. The cause of God demands men who can see quickly and act instantaneously at the right time and with power. The very essence of all right faith is to do the right thing at the right time, at the golden moment, you see. If you wait to measure every difficulty and balance every perplexity you meet, you will do but little. You know, it seems to me that we have a, a God of action. He likes action. And he would have us measure, he would have us weigh, he would have us judge between this and that. He would have us take the time it takes to make a good decision, but he doesn't want to spend he doesn't want us to spend our whole life doing that. He wants us to be people of action. And so there has to come a time and of course every situation is different. Sometimes we need to act right now. Other times we have a little more time in which we can judge and in which we can balance things out. But friends, there comes a golden moment. It speaks about it in the next paragraph. Sometimes various ways and purposes, different modes of operation in connection with the work of God are about evenly balanced in the mind. But it is at this very point that the nicest, that means the most delicate, the most sensitive discrimination is necessary. And if anything is accomplished to the purpose, it must be done at the golden you know, in a place like Eden Valley. And Eden Valley is a very small place. Uh, you can imagine what it's like to try to work in the general conference. Where the general conference has got all departments for every little thing that you can think of. And many people in every department. And you try to make a decision for the church. And you've got to go through a channel after channel after channel. So that you can come to the place where somebody makes a decision. And nobody wants to make the decision. And sometimes things drag and drag and drag. And I like things streamlined. Now we have a little place like Eden Valley here. And it's, I wish sometimes it was more streamlined than it is. 
We do need to have organization, we do need to have structure, but sometimes we need to make a decision at the golden moment and we don't have time to call a committee meeting <laughs> to make the decision. Yesterday we had some opportunity very similar to that, I think. We got a phone call from Daryl Bates, uh, Ed's son, and he was saying, I've been fasting and praying for about a week and I've decided that I should come. Now, the decision that my secretary had to make was this. Shall we call an executive? Shall we call a personnel committee meeting and then wait for the executive committee? Shall, shall we have them fill in the application form? Wait for all the references to come before we say yes? And I'm thinking, you know, a lot of things can happen. <laughs> and so I said, bypass the whole mess, say yes. To me, it was a golden moment. We're losing Eric, you understand. Now, to us, it's a great loss. Because he's the man that knows all about the water plant. He's really good at it. And for him to go is going to set us back three years. Did you know that? In the water plant business. And Daryl Bates already knows the water plant. What a blessing. What a godsend. And so we jump on it. If anything is accomplished to a purpose, it must be done at the golden the slightest inclination of the weight in the balance should be seen and should determine the matter at once. Long delays tire the angels. It is even more excusable to make a wrong decision sometimes than to be continually in a wavering position. By the way, the man that Ellen White was addressing in this thing here became, he must have taken her advice because he became the general conference president. His name was G.I. Butler. In volume 4, 454, paragraph 1, she says this. Without decision, an individual is fickle, unstable as water, and can never be successful. How would you like to be, never be successful? <laughs> well, become indecisive, and you'll never be successful. It's amazing, isn't it? We need to become decisive. We need to be able to weigh and at the golden moment say, we're going in that direction and you will get slack. No doubt about it. Volume 4, 344, paragraph 0. Indecision soon becomes decision in the wrong direction. Why? Because indecision is the wrong decision. And it's always the wrong decision. As a matter of fact, God would have us make a mistake rather than be indecisive. The thing that He's trying to develop in us is Strength, power, decisiveness. Make a decision. Make a decision and make a mistake. It's all right with God because you'll learn by the mistake. But stand around wishing that God would guide you and never make a decision. You will get weaker and weaker and weaker. You know, should some of us ever decide to become a surgeon, we will, have, we will need to learn two things. We'll need to make up our minds quickly and once we've made up our minds, we will need to learn to go through with the decision that we've made. Supposing as a, as a surgeon now, you've opened somebody's abdomen up and you're looking in there and you, and you get what you did not expect. So what are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do. Don't go call an executive committee. Don't go take a coffee break. Don't go to the library to do some research. It's too late. Within seconds, maybe within minutes, you must come to a life and death decision. Everything depends upon the speed with which you act, right? But that's only half of it, friends. Once you've come to a conclusion, when you, once you've made a decision, go through with it. 
Don't go taking half of the appendix out and then say, oh, I wonder if it isn't the spleen I should be taking out. You know, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. That's not the time to be making, to become indecisive. Have you ever met people like that? Yeah. It's hard enough to make a decision without forever reconsidering the decisions that we've made. Weighing it all over again, always wondering. Friends, long delays tire the angels and give the enemy an advantage. It is even more excusable to make a wrong decision sometimes. Do you know why? Because God's first intention is not to have you never make a mistake. God's first intention is not that you be right all the time. You know, if He required this, He doesn't require this. It's not His intentions. He doesn't require you and I to be infallible. That may be all right for the Pope in Rome, but it's not all right for us. He desires us to learn principles. Learning the principle is more important to Him than our always getting the right answer. You know, I was in school for quite a while before I discovered that the teacher had an answer book to all the math problems. Did you know that? And when I discovered that that book existed, I thought, whoa, what a treasure that would be. Don't you think that would be a treasure? Wouldn't it be wonderful? If only I could have that book, wouldn't it be great? No, it wouldn't be great at all. Oh, well, how come? Isn't it important that we always have the right answer? No, that's not what's important. To understand the formula, to understand the underlying principle, to understand how to approach a problem, to understand how to work through it, to understand how to arrive at a solution is much more important to God than for us to arrive at the right answer every time. How important is it for you today that you had the right answer every time when you were 10 years old? How important is it? But can I ask you a question? Do you know how to add? Do you know how to subtract? To divide? To multiply? Sure you do. Is it important that you got it right every time when you first started? No. And friends, we're in school. And the Lord is our God. And it's, hey, sometimes it's important to have the right answer. You know, especially if you're going to choose a, a life mate. It's important. <laughs> don't make a mistake. You, only, you don't get too many chances, right, to get it right the first time. So in this case, take time. Take time to weigh the evidence that's before you. Ah, but friends, sometimes, sometimes we've got to make a decision. And we've got to make it right now. And it's not that important that we have the answer just right. Because we can learn from mistakes sometimes better than we learn from getting it right the first time. So it is with life. The Bible says, the angels are encamped round about them that fear Him. Does the Bible say that? Yeah. Do you think if the Lord wanted that He could tell the angels to solve all our problems? Quickly? Right like that? Supposing you had a problem. Do you think God could say to an angel, hey, take care of that? Do you think He could do it? Why doesn't He do it? Why doesn't it work that way? Because, friends, it's not that important that it worked that way. What's not even about this topic of righteousness by faith that people like to argue about so much. We don't need to know everything, but we need to know how to relate to God. We need to know what He's up to. And you know what He's up to? He's up to saving our souls. He's up to giving us assignments that will bring us to a positive future. That's what He's up to doing. And He knows how to do it. 
and He will get us there. Anyway, part of it is just this. Make up your minds. Be decisive and follow through with it. We're studying the A, B, and C of problem solving. A, accept the assignment. It's an assignment from God for you. It's the right assignment. It's always the right assignment. B, believe that you can't handle it without Him, but believe that with Him you can handle anything. C, claim the wisdom that He's offered. You can go to the Bible. You can listen for the impressions of the Holy Spirit. You can counsel with godly people. And then, of course, you have to come to the place where you make a decision. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.